I've never felt as low as I did when I was concussed. And to put it into perspective, I was on when I was on Survivor. I went. I had. I volunteered to go to Exile Island, which is like an island by yourself. There's no food. There's no shelter. Um, you have to make your own fire. And I was there for 48 hours by myself. And I was literally looking for like sharp objects to like slip my wrist. I was so like, I was just going crazy because you're by yourself. All I kept thinking was like, oh my God, I'm going to get voted off. Why did I volunteer here? I, cr- I never cry. And I cried probably for like 15 hours thinking about my family. And I was so, so sad. But still like the concussion, how I was feeling was worse than how I felt on Survivor on those 48 hours by myself. Hi, this is Natalie Anderson, ex-athlete, castaway, amazing racer, and you're listening to the Heads and Tails podcast. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Som, and each week I bring you an inspiring athlete story of perseverance or expert knowledge in the field of sports health and safety. Just like flipping a coin, you can't control what happens to you in sports or in life. You can always control how you respond. This is my response after suffering a traumatic brain injury in a high school football game, and I hope it leaves you feeling both inspired and informed. Welcome back to the Heads and Tails podcast. This week, I, I'm interviewing Natalie Anderson. She's a season 29 survivor winner, and she's also been struggling with some post-concussion symptoms as of late, and she's going to kind of talk about those experiences. Um, so, Natalie, can you kind of talk about what you've been dealing with, you know, with concussions, and maybe start off by what, talking about when your first concussion you suffered happened. Um, hi. So, thanks for having me. Um, I... My first concussion that I remember was in college. I played rugby at Fordham. Okay. And um, reminiscing now, I definitely know and recognize it was a concussion. At the time, I really didn't even think about uh, the fact that it was like a brain injury. I just, you know, you just hear that you're supposed to get up, shake it off and keep playing or just like sleep it off. And I didn't even think about researching or looking into concussions at the time. But now looking back, it was definitely a concussion. Um, and then so like what time frame was this like years? this was 2007 so that's when I had my injury too so oh, yeah well yeah there's like no one was talking about concussions yeah. like they do now and uh, like the club sport it was we didn't have athletic trainers on site it was a club sport so it wasn't um, it was very you know um, not bootleg but <laughs> I know what you mean <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it was like all Bush of us league, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> so we had no you know professional um people that were on site or helped us and we were just like kind of left to our own devices which was probably a bad um, thing when you're playing rugby um that my I remember my symptoms kind of probably lasted a week the most but I was you know still drinking probably at the time studying I didn't take time off but it didn't last me that long long enough for me to actually go see a doctor or anything I was also younger and probably a little bit more resilient at that time yeah no it's true like even now I think about you know, yeah. when I was in high school, things I used to do, I'm like, how the hell did I do exactly. that? Like, without dying. <laughs> um, then, um, well, since then, then I had a concussion 2013. I was closing my... So six years later. Six years later. So it's crazy. what were the symptoms from the first concussion? Uh, the first concussion, I just remember being like kind of hazy uh, throughout the week, um, thinking that I wanted to go to the gym and then thinking like, oh, I feel like kind of sluggish. And now looking back. Like when like you I got said, to the gym? or Yeah, like I would just get there and then just feel lazy, which was so not like me. This right. is after, this is in college. Um, and then just having like these headaches and thinking like, because I never get random headaches, but, um, you know, literally didn't do anything to kind of monitor, nothing to change. I didn't change what I was doing. I just kind of like went through the motions and let it. Do you remember how long it kind of took you to get over those symptoms i think maximum like a week of like random symptoms um 
which now looking back is like at that time, it probably seemed long. But after what I went through this fall, it's crazy to think that, you know, my last concussion took me four months to recover from. Right. So then you were saying in 2013, you suffered another concussion. So 2000, I am super accident prone and like super clumsy. But so 2013, I was uh, closing my friend's car door, like the dicky, the trunk door. And um, the what? We call it a dicky. Like. <laughs> no in like in Sri Lanka you yeah it's like that? I think it's like British terminology like you know okay. leftover from colonization okay. <laughs> um okay the trunk <laughs> I was closing the trunk door and uh, there was a bike rack on the top and I didn't I mean I realized it was there but I didn't think about like the logistics of it being right on top and I slammed the car door shut and it just like railed me on the top of the head like super hard I did I was like I bled a little bit from the top of my head um, no one makes me bleed my own blood <laughs> <laughs> Where is that from? I'm trying to think. I think it's like Anchorman or something. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> something like that. So, um, and then, but I didn't pass out, and this was one of my, um, you know, one of the things that you grow up hearing is if you don't pass out, you don't have a concussion. So I was like, oh, I didn't right. lose consciousness, so I should be fine. Like I didn't, fe- I felt a little dizzy, but um, kind of just like was like whatever. Didn't even think about it. And the next day, I woke up and I went for a run. And I like literally passed out while running and some like my um, my sister was with me at school at the time I was taking the prerequisites for grad school. And she was just like, what do you like, Natalie, what's wrong with you? Because I just stopped running and I almost fainted. And I was like, oh, I hit my head yesterday. And she was like, I got to take you to the hospital. Right. Someone's up. Yeah. So uh, I went to the hospital and then I was diagnosed with a concussion. They did like the scans and stuff and then uh, like MRI, X-ray um, and CT scan only because I, I had like almost passed out. Um, and those symptoms, like after that, I remember I had blurry vision, I had headaches and it probably lasted me a month to get over everything. Okay. At Hunter, they provided me with a note taker because I couldn't see the board. Um, and I just remember thinking that, you know, this was way more serious than I thought like thought it was going to be symptoms lasted me a month um i had headaches i I was like sensitive to light and sound um but you know i just didn't work out for probably a month like do anything crazy i was still like swimming and stuff but yeah a month seemed at that time pretty long for me to like take to get over everything and that's when I started thinking about my brain and thinking like this was actually, you know, a little bit kind of scary. Yeah, because you start wondering if it's ever going to go back to normal or like what normal actually is. Yeah. And I was like, I don't need like any more memory issues. It's hard enough for me to study as it is. Like um, I just kind of started thinking about like the long term effects of the of the concussions and then getting worried about maybe playing rugby. How many times I'd that you actually did get. Yeah, hit, like right? probably quote unquote, get your bell wrong and just like just shake it off and just keep going. So you were worried about like cte and yeah like more just like using my brain and being able to like go to grad school and being able to study and like be able to memorize things and learn you know at my best capacity right so at this time you were trying to get into the grad Hall? yes yeah grad school program for athletic training right uh well i was doing the prerequisites at the time for physical therapy school gotcha um and then like kind of took a turn of things i interned with a rug club rugby team in sri lanka and i just kind of fell in love with like the aspect of whole athlete wellness like like as a whole instead of just receiving athletes once when they're broken exactly and plus i'm like super old so going back to school i wanted to be sports specific like i wanted to do physical therapy but i needed it i wanted to work with athletes and to gain that kind of like 
experience at my age, it would take me forever to be able to actually work with like high level athletes. And so I decided just do athletic training because then I can work with athletes and, um, you know, just go like right into working like a sports. Right. A lot of times like in for pro teams, they want to have people who are both athletic trainers and physical therapists. Now everybody's like a lot of school. It's crazy. Yeah. You basically have to be like an athletic trainer undergrad major exactly and then go to grad if school. i only knew i mean it, i do the same things all the time I'm like yeah. what the hell was i thinking when exactly went like, to grad school for this like i know you don't know what the hell you want to do so exactly Ugh, it's whatever. tough all right so you still had the symptoms when you went to seton hall correct and this is from this concussion or is it a different one no so the 2013 concussion like healed itself like after a month after a month um so between 2013 and like I was like filming all these bloody shows. So like it took me forever. So you're on. Yeah. Okay. So first you start off with amazing race. Right? Yeah. So, um, I was doing my prerequisites and I kind of run out of money and I was like, at this point I was like, okay, option one, like call my dad and be like, Hey, I need some cash. Right. <laughs> option two. I had no option two. And then like my friend was like, listen, you guys should be on amazing race. You guys meaning Nadia and I. So, and I was like, what? Like amazing race. I'd never even watched the show. She's like, submit a video. And I was like, dude, okay, I will. But I never did. She submitted a video of Nadia and I. And I get this call from CBS. And they're like, hi, is this Natalie? And I'm like, yeah, what's up? Who's this? And they're like, are you an American citizen? And I was like, who the hell? <laughs> I guess because of like, my accent and stuff, they weren't really sure if we were American citizens. And I was like, yeah. And then they were like, this is CBS Amazing Race. And I was like, wait. I was like, hold up. What's the prize? They're like, a million bucks. I was like, sign me <laughs> up. <laughs> and then we, Nadia and I went on. We like totally winged it. Got all the way to the end, like the finale. And then we messed up in France. We like totally took a wrong turn. I blame it on Nadia. And we got kicked off before the final episode in New York and we would have killed that episode because like everybody else was like these honky tonks from all over. Right. And like, like I love them, but they were like one team was from Texas. They'd never left the country before amazing race. And like right. everything was like my backyard. Cause Nadia and me, we were both working in the city at the time. So it was like, a you really, it, like, re- yeah, hand, it was yeah. a really hard pill to swallow. Um, and so I was like, okay, fine. I'm still broke. <laughs> <laughs> then they called us and they were like, do you guys want to be an All-Stars? And Nadia and I like, okay, cool. Let's do this. This time we're going to win. Right. We got kicked off first. <laughs> so we like flew out and we and Nadia put so much pressure on ourselves. We like, we, we like, we just thought like, okay, we, we have to win. And the first time we didn't think about it, we just kind of just like went with the flow. Right. Um, so I got kicked off first and that was like a complete fear. So I was like, I'm done with these reality shows. I was missing so many, so much school because they film survivor and cbs film in the same like almost the same time as like a semester starting okay like uh september or yeah and then they do one again in the spring so i would always be missing like school so i would always be off and i'd be like okay i'm gonna finish my prerequisites and then i'd go film and come you already back. had your undergrad degree. i had my undergrad yeah, yeah, yeah but it was in business so i had to literally start from scratch with the sciences know, right. yeah i had never taken like a science class um and then See, they called me one more time and they were like, hey, do you guys want to be on Survivor? We're doing like a special season like where you come on with your loved ones. And I like almost said no. And I was just like, dude, I can't keep like derailing my life because I and then like Survivor just seemed like such. And I wasn't even motivated by the money to go on Survivor. I was more motivated 
because of the challenge of just like seeing how like crazy it was and seeing how I could like test my like physical and mental strength. Right. Like it's impossible to say no to an opportunity like that. Yeah, and you're an me. athlete too. It's kind of like a, yeah. yeah, it's like an athletic challenge. Exactly. Yeah. Although like some people, yeah, well, <laughs> there've been some winners that would surprise you, but yeah, I would, um, it would seem like such an awesome experience. And then, um, I went out with Nadia. She got voted off first, which sucked. And then I ended up winning. So we were kind of cute. It was like bookends of the season. She was out first and I was like the sole survivor. So it was The cool. sole survivor. That's what they call it. What's so corny. What's that? Who sings that song? Uh, does she, Child sings a song. About well, that's Survivor. Oh. There's like another like Young Jeezy song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. with Akon. Yeah, Akon and Young Jeezy. Yeah. <laughs> that was a college jam. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. Um. Okay, so... We haven't gotten to, to Seton Hall yet, but yeah. let's just we're we're in the the reality TV shows, so let's yeah. just we'll stick with that for sure. right now. So, what you know, what about your what was your strategy going into Survivor that kind of led you to you know winning ultimately? Um, Nadia getting voted off kind of like set a fire under me. I was at the start. I when she got voted off, I thought there was no way I was going to last longer than like a couple of more votes. Um, but all I did was like at the start, I made sure that my tribe kept winning. So it was like our tribe versus her tribe. They separated the loved ones. And so I was like, I if you lose, you go to tribal council. So I was like, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure our tribe wins. And we had a stacked tribe. We had a guy from who played football at Michigan State. He was awesome. We had like this guy from... Uh, like, we had a really athletic, uh, the girls sucked, but whatever, they were useless. <laughs> and then, um, but we had, like, a really good tribe versus the other tribe. So I was just like, as long as we keep winning, we don't have to go to tribal council. And um, I just made really good, strong alliances while we were winning because it's easier to make bonds with people when you're not, like, at the, bo- like, worrying about who's going to get voted off. So Hunapu, our tribe at the time, <laughs> we um, won all the challenges at the start, which kept me safe. And then once we merged, I had like established these relationships and people like trusted me. And I think they just really, they looked at me and they didn't see me as a threat because one, everybody on survival always goes after the bigger, like built guys. Stronger, like, yeah, like and alpha male. Exactly. Type, yeah. And they kind of just look over the females for the most part because they think it's just always how it is on survival. It's so messed up. And usually when a girl gets to the end it's usually most most of the time it's a damsel in distress girl who kind of like just gets dragged to the end but then she never wins because you no know, everybody knows she doesn't deserve to win she just kind of got dragged by because she's just got you know a voting block like they just want her for a vote um so people you know nobody ever voted for me to be voted off the island like i didn't get a single vote the entire time i was oh, there oh wow which is like a and to win so that's you're like, likable yeah, yeah. likable <laughs> oh crazy <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, and then, like, my whole gameplay was just getting back at all the guys that voted off Nadia because the guys got together and voted off Nadia on the first episode. And so I, like, mentally I took notes of that, and then I just was, like, out for blood, like, the entire time. But nobody knew. I was playing, like, coy the entire time. Right. So if if Nadia wasn't voted off, were you going to be able to, like, talk with her? Like, how was the interactions between the tribes during... So we would have never been able to talk unless we both made the merge. So... We were separated the whole time until the like so until the numbers dwindled down to the point where it's like almost like ten people. Then they merged together. Except when like you have the competitions. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. So okay. you can like try and talk during competitions, but it's so hard. So I was trying to signal like the first day. I only had one. You sent out like little flare. Yeah, I did. Stuff. I know. I was like trying to signal like don't trust this person because they're I have their loved one in my tribe and he's crazy. If he's crazy, I'm judging. Yeah, don't yeah. trust her. So I was like trying to tell her, but she didn't listen to me. Um, oh. 
Yeah, and then anyway, she thought that the girls were voting together, and then this one girl jumped ship and voted with the guys, and then they um, yeah, they so she got voted off. It was a complete blindside. Like she was, she did not think she was going home. Right. Yeah. So what was like the last challenge that like that led up to you winning Survivor? Um, the last challenge was uh like a really physically hard. I killed the challenge on the physical part, and then I got to the puzzle and got stuck, and the girl beat me on the puzzle. So I got it was like this crazy maze and running upstairs and like everybody like you're so drained. This is thirty nine days of eating nothing. Like right. I was so so frail and like I weighed one hundred and twenty five pounds, which I probably haven't weighed since like middle school. <laughs> um, I was like had no muscle, but you're just running on pure adrenaline. Um, I like kill the challenge where you had to like collect things, climb up these stairs, like do like all these like random like it's almost like a um, like an obstacle course type. Right. I get to the puzzle and then I'm totally I got stuck on the puzzle and the girl like literally I had, was stuck there for 25 minutes and some the the other girl just came and like beat me on the puzzle and I was like I should have practiced puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but then but she ended up not voting me off before final 3. She should have because I mean, I knew I was going to win if I went to final 3. Um but yeah, if I go back on Survive, I'm gonna practice more my mental game because I think the physical the puzzle. stuff is yeah. <laughs> I actually did an interview with this group. They had it's like uh, I think it's called Mind. No, not Mind Gym. That's somewhere that my girlfriend's uh, sister works at. Oh. <laughs> Ignite Gym, it's called, yeah. and it's like they do a lot of stuff with concussion patients oh, and wow. stuff like that. Cool. But part of what they do is they have these like CrossFit type workouts, but in the middle of the CrossFit workouts, they make them do a puzzle. They make them wow, you know, try to crazy. memorize like a list, and then they come back to it. So. It's, That's nuts. It just reminded me of that. That'd be a good training for yeah, it. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of training for yeah. Survivor, you did try or you used CrossFit as a way to kind of prepare. So yeah. can, you, can I talk about um, what CrossFit's done for you? Yeah. So I started CrossFit probably three and a half years ago. And before Survivor, um, I Sheila Barden, who went to the games from New Jersey that year, she was living with us and we worked out together. And so I, I had to take the semester off. So all I did all day was like train with her. Obviously, everything was super scaled. So what she would do, I would scale it like hell because she's a little monster. Um, but she would do these crazy like things that you would never do, like super like intense grip strength stuff. So those, all these like random like wads I would do with her and like her coach is like in Syracuse and he would program for her every day. We'd show up to the gym and I, she didn't let me like, like punk out of a workout. So no matter what it was. She held you accountable. Yeah. Right? And she would let me scale obviously, but if it, she wouldn't let me just be like, Oh, I don't want to do that, which is awesome. And, um, uh, I felt so physically ready for a survival. I was definitely heavier than I, I am normally because I was eating a lot and I was like, forget that. I'm going to be starving. I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want before I go. But right. I was eating good food, but a lot a of lot good of it, food. Yeah, yeah like Balkan. Yeah, yeah totes Balkan. I was like 160 when I went out there. <laughs> <laughs> I, and so um, when I went out there, like I was strong and fast, but I was like still like way bigger. But I think it lasted me, like my meat like lasted me like it like, plateaued and my, I, my weight loss was like really slow at the start which helped me in the long run but then once I started losing I just lost everything it was crazy they, you like hit a point of no return yeah it was, just like, uh, it was your body disgusting. was revolting yeah um 
So yeah, CrossFit was amazing. I mean, um, I said it all the time on the show. It never made the cut, but Jeff and the guys would always be like, Natalie, how are you so strong? Like, what do you do? And I was like, dude, all I do is CrossFit. Like, I don't do crazy. Like, Oh, they, they never made it to the Never like, made it air. to the show, yeah. And well, I wore my nanos on the show, so CrossFitters like, would see me. Like, It's so recognizable, the shoe, the CrossFit right. shoe. So when I when I went to the games to watch Sheila compete, like everybody was like, oh, I remember. Cause in the, your, yeah, because yeah, I guess in the Midwest and stuff, like Survivor's big, so like... Everybody remembers seeing the nanos and be like, dude, I saw your nanos. This is pre-Metcons, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there was no competition. <laughs> Metcons are the Nike version of CrossFit shoes Yeah. Uh, for the listeners. So, you know, I think I found CrossFit in my life after sports. And I think mm-hmm. it's a good way for athletes to still kind of push themselves. But yeah. also, like you were saying, it, it has a, a level of accountability. You know, yeah. you have people there who are supporting you to kind of push you and also to make sure that you show up right yeah. and you, you keep going and that serves like a pretty good community and i always Agreed. tell people that if you move to a new place find a crossfit gym because you have immediate you know like exactly. 50 new friends that you didn't have before and they'll they'll welcome welcome you in with open arms yeah i agree um uh, okay so so with food like what how did you eat you know what was the weirdest thing you ate on, um, on the show i ate baby frogs once just like like just hatched, like just transitioned from tadpole to frog. So what does that look like? It still has a tail or it something? It still has a tail. They were so tiny, but literally all I was thinking, like I had no protein. So all I was kept thinking is like, I need protein. Like, but we didn't have any protein. I had white rice and water. What'd you do? It's like just pop over them the fire? No, I didn't cook them. I just popped them in my mouth. Raw. And like, yeah. They were so tiny, but they tasted, it didn't even taste like anything, but no. it was kind of gross. I Did like animal rights activists like <laughs> <to> <laughs> you Who after knows? That? No. <laughs> Um, we would catch fish once in a while but we would have to share the fish with like the entire tribe so it was like a tiny tiny fish and then yeah yeah, take it back and like everybody's fighting like a bite yeah I'd always end up eating the head because nobody wanted to eat the head and the eyeballs so I would just always end up eating like the head of the fish and um Maybe that's why they kept you around. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the scavenger. <laughs> um, but yeah, your body goes into shock. Like I've never felt hunger like I felt on Survivor. I've never felt like, uh, you know, you don't have a clock and some days you're just on the beach for 24 hours and there's nothing to do and you're just like dirty and it gets... Uncomfortable. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like you just have to like, it's mental and physical, like just toughness and i it's it was an awesome way to like push myself you know because i'll never get that that kind of way to experiment with how far i can you know keep going right so that put things in perspective going forward you know maybe with your you know dealing with concussions yeah you know, kind of puts you you're you're more i don't know i've always heard that like if you if you're comfortable you're not growing yeah so like when you put yourself in those kind of situations but like, i have to say i think the concussion recovery was even it was harder f- than dealing with survivor for me really yeah and it's crazy because i've done like i've always said i've done some crazy things i've been in like really hard situations growing up even in sri lanka you know in a war country and stuff but not to say like the war my concussion was harder than like the war war. but it was like mentally and emotionally and physically dealing this last four months of concussion recovery is i can definitely say it's been the hardest four months of my entire life and you know i've been i've never felt as low as i did when i was concussed and to put it into perspective i was on when i was on survivor i went i had i volunteered to go to exile island which is like an island by yourself there's no food there's no shelter 
um, you have to make your own fire. And I was there for 48 hours by myself. And I was literally looking for like sharp objects to like slip my wrist. I was so like, I was just going crazy because you're by yourself. All I kept thinking was like, oh my God, I'm going to get voted off. Why did I volunteer here? I, cr- I never cry. And I cried probably for like 15 hours thinking about my family. And I was so, so sad. But still like the concussion how I was feeling was worse than how I felt on survival on those 48 hours by myself not eating like it was crazy like to think that I would rather be starving on an island like and dealing with that than dealing with your how I felt with the concussion wow that's crazy before we get into the concussion a little deeper what was it like to be like disconnected from the world when you were on survivor um you know it's like when you see you're on the island you're all by yourself like yeah what were you like um it's like points like at night i remember just remember going to sleep and looking up and realizing how amazing like the sky was like i just remember the stars being so freaking bright bright. yeah Yeah. there's no you don't have your phone you can't be like oh let me snapchat let me instagram you're just you don't even think about it you don't i i had no contact i didn't talk to anybody for you know nadia or my parents for like the entire time i was out there and you you just kind of have to like dig deep in the during the hard times and then sometimes it would just like it would break and you just feel like this sense of relief but most of the time i was super anxious out there because you're you're with these strangers other people had loved ones i had nobody and you're all everybody's out for a million bucks like right, how did your sister got voted off first, first right? yeah and like when you're competing you throw a million bucks in the mix like you don't think that people are gonna get ang- like anxious and there's so much like oh my god is she gonna vote for me is, who the hell is this person voting for it's like this constant like anxiety and like worry even when you're sleeping people are just like oh my god why are those two sleep people sleeping together like this person sleeping on this side today instead of that side like you're just analyzing all the time yeah yeah. i mean a million bucks is a lot of money you know so people are just like going crazy yeah your thoughts yeah you you drive yourself nuts (laughs) beautiful mind (laughs) (laughs) all right so when when you got off the island i mean you won so like obviously what did that feel like um winning was awesome like it was just so cool to see all my hard work because i did work really hard on survivor to see all of that come back and like just to make my parents proud was awesome i mean like not to say i'm not driven by the money but making my parents proud and having them in the audience and being like the first brownie and i say brownie like very casually but it's like it's like a it's become like a term of endearment for Nadia and I because we just call ourselves brownies and we were the first Southeast Asians on the show like um, Indian there's never been an Indian or anything so to be from Sri Lanka and be able to like represent women and like minorities it was cool to have that win and my right. parents be proud really cool yeah yeah it was awesome um, so what was like the first thing you did with the money um, I took my so we were in LA and I took my parents uh, to Vegas and we all had like a uh, like two days in Vegas my parents had never been so we drove from LA Nadia and I my two parents and we drove to LA I mean to Vegas and we just did like the whole Vegas thing with them and went to the shows and like saw Cirque du Soleil and stuff it was awesome cool. to like treat my parents to dinner to instead of being yeah. like okay dad here's a check yeah you picking up the, the tab here yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't bought anything like crazy since Survivor. I guess my grad school was my investment. Right, in yourself, um, right? Yeah, and that I screwed up anyway getting the concussion. Nah, you didn't screw anything up. <laughs> it's not a race. It's not an amazing race. <laughs> True. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the this most recent concussion. Okay, cool. Um, So I got into grad school. I was really excited. I was like, you know what? I'm going back to school. I'm, I should 
getting a master's in, in athletic training will put me, you know, a little bit above the playing field with everybody who has an undergrad in athletic training. I'm older, so the, the grad school would be a good move for me. I was really nervous because I didn't know if I would get in because my grades weren't the best in undergrad, but I tried really hard and, you know, put in a lot of hours, like the volunteer hours and had awesome recommendations. Got into Seton Hall, was so excited and, um, they have a summer pro like a it's summer. It's a great school, yeah. For yeah, training, exactly. Yeah. It's like a really well known. Uh, the program is really established and you know recognized by sports teams and like high school. So was, I was excited. They have a summer program, like a summer course, and then you have like two weeks break, and then you s- immediately start the fall classes. So I did the summer courses. I got two A's. I was so excited, um, and then I had this like two weeks off. The last day of my summer courses, I was at the gym. I was front squatting. Um, I was doing pause squats, which is like you st- like stop at the bottom and then you come back up. And it's just like for core stability. It's just like I love pause squats. It like works everything. So um, I was doing that. And then I remember uh, I have so because of my messed up knee, I always have like this knee sleeve. And I, I don't think I need it. It's just more of like a crutch for me to right. feel makes secure feel and safe. Yeah, it. it makes me feel safe. Like protecting my little knee so um i was like oh my knee like my knee sleeve so i bent down under and i didn't realize i was literally right under the bar pulled out my knee sleeve and just stood up really oh fast God. i have it on video it's so loud like it's my crazy. head hurts just thinking, thinking and i had like 145 on the bar so that bar was not moving anywhere so i stood up really fast wrecked myself in the head and then i remember just just being like oh shit like you know but i didn't i didn't feel dizzy i didn't feel like lightheaded so I gave myself like literally I remember the song was going so before the song even ended I was like sitting there rubbing my head and I was like do I feel fine I gave myself an evaluation and then because I thought I felt fine I finished my pause squats and then I did 31 heroes because I promised myself I would do it that day 31 heroes is like a really intense long crossfit workout yeah and you're supposed to be with a partner and nobody wanted to do it with me that day I did by myself it's a 31 minute amrap so it's it's a 31 minute workout of running thrusters and rope climbs. And, you know, I just remember thinking because it's a hero workout dedicated to like the, the guys that died. I was like, you know what? I can't punk out on this workout. Imagine like these guys do so much for our country and like suffer so much. Like right. I got to do this. Cause it, I feel so much pride when I do hero workouts and it feels like I'm giving a little bit of myself and just feeling, you know, just like a small ounce of what, you know, soldiers do for our country and put themselves through. Right. You're, you're highlighting and thanking them exactly. for what they do. Yeah. Through your own torture. Exactly. Yeah. So I did that. And then, you know, that night I felt fine. I had a presentation the next day and I remember getting, um, waking up and being like, my head kind of felt weird. And during the presentation, I kind of got stuck and I kept saying the same thing over and over during my presentation and my my the girl in my group and the guy were like Natalie do you know like you were just saying you were like repeating yourself and I was like what really and then I was like okay I need to go to the doctor and then I realized I was like you know starting the symptoms and like two 24 hours later I was just wrecked like my body and my head everything felt and that's pretty common for your symptoms not to really show up till the next day I know for myself the concussion before my second impact syndrome, yeah. that's how it was for me. I was fine that night, but then, then the next day, next day I was day. like, my brain was like destroyed. Yeah. Um, so what were the next steps after that? Um, so then luckily uh, that was my last day of school. And then I, um, I had the weekend before I started my clinical immersion, which they have you working at like a site for two weeks nonstop, like from morning till night. So I told, I was supposed to start that weekend, but I told my, the dean, I was like, hey, listen, I know I'm concussed. She was like, okay, 
you know, take some time, email your the guy that you're supposed to be working for and coordinate with him. So I emailed him. I told him I was concussed. He was like, all right, see you on Monday. So I was like, all right, fine. I guess I get two days off. Um, I went in Monday. I, I was still feeling kind of like, you know, weird, but not like super bad. I came back. I was tired and sleepy. Um, second day at my job, quote unquote job, non-paying job, um, I show up, it's practice, and I'm like on the sideline and the soccer practice is going on. And I was like, okay, um, this guy needed his ankle taped. So I turned around and I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have my back, back to the to field. Right. And I was like, no, like nothing's really going to happen. Like what are the chances? I knelt down literally like while trying to tape this guy's ankle. Two seconds, I just get railed in the head with a, with a soccer ball. And of I'm just course, sitting yeah. there like, oh my God, did this just happen? Like I already knew like I was so screwed. And every and like I almost started crying, and all the team, the teammates, are like it wasn't even that hard. And I was like the new girl. I didn't want to be that girl, like crying, like on the second day, like you know, I would judge me if, if some, you know, person started crying right. the second day. And they all like looking at me, and then they didn't know I was already concussed. Um, and then my but the athletic trainer didn't let me leave the game, so I was stuck like in the sun for an entire the entire practice i mean and then dehydrated yeah and then i worked the whole week i didn't take break so it was like just really bad i should have used i should have just said i'm not coming in and working because i think that resting immediately after that would have led to a way better you know few months than i than i had so right so at this point in time like when was the decision made that you were going to take yourself out of school and like oh i waited two months and suffered for two months until i made that decision (laughs) Oh, seriously? Yeah, I was. And didn't you get, <laughs> did you get a, a note taker yeah, during this time too? too? So, so can you kind of explain that process to other athletes who might be going through the same thing at school? Yeah, so I was, at the start, I was kind of in denial. I didn't want to admit that I had done this to myself because I almost felt like it was my fault. And I put a lot of blame on the fact that first, when I hit my head, I kept working out. Second, that I got hit at that at the soccer practice and then didn't immediately put my foot down and be like listen I need time off I cannot work like I need to recover even though I look like I'm fine my head is messed up right now and it needs time to heal so I put all this guilt on myself and then I was almost like you know what now I'm just gonna like thug it out and like go through this entire semester and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna make it through and I kind of just back to that like athlete mentality again. yeah and like you know it sucks because that same mentality that got you hurt in the first place yeah (laughs) and it sucks because that same personality is like the same why I feel like I've been successful in other areas of for my sure, life. For sure, no doubt. But it's also been the demise of someone like, and the downfall in, in the same way. So We're it's very like, similar in that sense. Exactly. Yeah. So like, it's hard for me to say that it's, that was a bad decision because it, the same like personality traits has led me down a good path and bad path. So it's weird. But, um, for two months I was suffering with symptoms, working, take, like being like super loaded with my, with schoolwork, but I did seek out, seek out help um and i think that there is like a bad like a almost a bad uh what's the word i'm looking for stigma yeah Yeah. for around like looking for help and because it's called disability services so it's like you're going to come up with a different name yeah exactly because i was like like they're like go talk to dss and i'm like what's dss and they're like disability services i'm like oh lord So I was like, but at, at the end of the day, I embraced it. And I was like, you know what? These people are here right. to help me. They, exactly, yeah. they gave me extra time on, on the exam. ego aside. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody knew like, like I wa- that I was concussed, but I still had this like 
this embarrassment almost of my injury because you look like you're normal. I'm not walking with a huge like cast yeah, on my leg. Invisible, yeah. Yeah. So like I still felt so self conscious about being that girl that was like, okay, Natalie, you get extra time, go ahead and keep doing your work. But right. you know what? You have to stay like forget all of it because at the end of the day, if I had stepped up and taken advantage of that sooner, I or if I just like you know, embrace the fact that this was hard for me, it would have been, a, you know, an easier recovery and way long. Yeah, like, not putting so much pressure on yourself. Exactly. Yeah. So DSS was awesome. Like seek, seeking out help as a student athlete is, is I feel like it's you need to do it and you need to talk to somebody and see what the steps are at your school that you can use to help you recover and help you stay on track with your school. Because you're only going to get more and more overwhelmed. You yeah, know, as, which as is what happened along. to me. And then I just had to like, you know, you know, put white wave my white flag <laughs> yeah well <laughs> hey you, you learn you know yeah. so what was like the emotional toll that that took you know like you're, you're in school you got into the program you wanted to and now you sh- you had to pull yourself out of school yeah and you know further delight you said you already said that you felt like you waited so long doing so long. Uh, you know reality tv shows so now like how did it feel when you had to step out again um yeah that's part of the reason it took me a long time to make, come to the decision to like actually like stay take a step back from school is because so school and I got asked to be back on Survivor at the same time but the timing overlapped like I said the semesters always uh like overlap with the filming time and so I said no to filming Survivor like an all-star season to be back on to go to school and I that was probably the hardest decision I've made because I was like I can go back on Survivor and have fun for another year and like ride this roller coaster one more time or I can just say you know what Natalie you said you're gonna if you get into Seton Hall you're gonna start school and so saying no to Survivor was hard but I was really excited once I started school right so once I got concussed and I had to like take a step back I was like oh I should have just gone on Survivor but so that was really hard a hard pill to swallow um admitting that like it was hard for me and it like randomly crying and stuff was was like a it was just like a really emotionally draining experience to admit that I had to take a break you know right. um yeah you never want to say surrender you know no. as, as an athlete and like I felt like I was failing at something I wanted so bad and I had no control but there was only so much I could do as far as like schoolwork because I would study and then immediately my head would start hurting and I remember my doctors were like okay so as soon as you feel symptoms you have to take 10 minutes off so I was taking 10 minute breaks to uh, yeah. like every two seconds and then I'd read like a chapter and at the end of the chapter I'd be like wait what, what did, did, I, yeah, yeah, what what did I just, I just read, read? Yeah. you know so it was really really difficult um, but I, it was a good decision because I only saw my symptoms kind of alleviate once I made that you know choice to like take a break and give my brain time to heal. Right. And this was this past this was, summer. Yeah. Right. Correct. So this was in October. So I got concussed on in the start of August because I remember the date because it was like uh, the 31 Heroes weekend. Right. And then um, I stayed until October and right before Halloween is when I took a st- step back and I took the medical leave from Seton Hall. Okay. And, and I think you said that it's difficult to like pick back up again, you know, because the way that the semesters work or the program works. So yeah. now you said that you have to wait, wait until, until this coming fall. fall yeah. Right? So it was what about like the summer though. Cause you already took the summer classes. You don't uh, I mean, it's like the end of summer. So like I would start back up and it's the way that the medical leave works is like, I can just go back and pick up back in the end of the summer. So 
Um, but it, it's not like I could start in January because then that decision would have been easier. But waiting to put my life on hold for an entire year was like, you know, daunting because I'm, you know, I'm 30, I'm 30. And everybody else in the in the program was like 25 average age. Even some was straight out of undergrad, like right. 23 year olds. I was like, oh, my God. Like, well, like I said before, it's not a race. So <laughs> whatever. it's. It, At least easy. nobody thought I was thirty. No, but so that was in, in the world of you know, in the world of Instagram and Facebook, and I'm yeah. doing this, and look what look at me. Yeah, you know, it's easy to compare yourself to other people and try yeah. to make it a race, right? Yeah, like oh well, all my friends have this, and you know, but I don't. So yeah. true. I think it's you got to be patient, right. and just like in CrossFit. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really like about CrossFit mm-hmm. is that if you start if you're doing a workout with all these other people and you start worrying about what they're doing and yeah. what rep they're on and what, you know, round they're on. Mm-hmm. And you don't just like look within and see how you're doing. Yeah. And focus on yourself. Yeah. You're going to either go out too fast because you're trying to keep up with someone that you're not able to keep up with. Yeah. Burn out. <laughs> yeah. Or you're going to, you know, go too slow because you're, you think you're, I don't know. Yeah. Not pushing. Either yourself. way. Yeah. Th- focus on yourself because you exactly. can only control what, what, what you're doing. True. Um, okay. So Natalie reached out to me after, uh, listening to Dr. Mike Tatelbaum's um, episode in episode 14. That was one of my original episodes that, yeah. that was done a couple of years ago. And she actually went to see Dr. Mike mm-hmm. um, over the last couple of months, I guess. Yeah. So ever since, so I started listening to your podcast and then uh, you tweeted me the link to Mike's episode because I, I, I was like, I, listening to your podcast was like having the, everything about my concussion kind of explained to me and kind of, talk through to say like listen it's okay if you're feeling this way and it became it's like normal, my, yeah. yeah it became like my therapy so every night i would wa- listen to an episode while sleep like going to bed because i wasn't trying to watch tv i couldn't use my phone so i was trying to limit myself so the podcast was an awesome way to just put, turn off everything sit in bed close my eyes and just listen and i i really liked your voice too like it was really soothing for some oh, reason thank you. <laughs> not to sound creepy <laughs> That was definitely creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And so I um, started listening and then you tweeted me uh, like that was that helped me emotionally. But then once I listened to the Mike episode about Mike and the chiropractor and how he, you know, incorporates recovery, uh, concussion recovery into his, and he's, what kind of special different approach. He? So he's a chiropractic neurologist, yes, which chi- is only if there's not that many of them around. Yeah. Right? So I sought him out. I literally made an appointment with him the very next day after I listened to his podcast, the podcast with you. And I went to him and I had this kind of like this pressure and headache in the back of my head probably for two months. And it had never gone away. Like I slept with it. I woke up with it. And it always felt like almost somebody had their hand on the back of my head and like Like, pushing into my head. That's how. Yeah. yeah. And I would sleep and I would always be like, oh, I can't sleep on the back because that pressure is then double so i would always sleep on the side and i would still have that it literally felt like somebody was just like had their hand on my head just pushing in um the first visit with him and i had never been to a chiropractor for not anything i'd never been and you know you hear a lot of like oh they're good and then some people are like oh chiropractors don't do anything so i was just i didn't know what to expect um he did such he did an evaluation of everything he said my ocular motor stuff was bad my tracking was bad my eyes had a hard time following like his fingers and and then he did like some alignment work and he did like something in the back of my head and I when I stood up after the first session I was like 
dude, like that feeling in the back of my head is gone for the first time in months. And he was like, okay, awesome. Like so casual. And I was like, and he was like, okay, cool. And I was like, uh, this is amazing. And yeah, I actually just watched a bunch of YouTube videos, you know, before you came in here and, uh, it worked, I guess. Um, like he knows his shit. He's amazing. Just and kidding, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> um, so he, uh, and like he gave me homework and I was really diligent about following what he told me. Um, and like I said, he kind of changed the trajectory of my recovery. I was like stagnant for like two months. And after seeing him, it was slow, but it did change um, like the path of my recovery. And I, this first break in symptoms was from seeing Mike. So that's why I, like you and Mike are like, you know, I'm so thankful that one, I listened to your podcast and it made like, the whole process easier and then that I found Mike through you. Well, thanks for the testimonial. That was, it was nice to hear because I yeah. think so a lot of times I think that only my mother listens. So <laughs> that, that, that was cool. But you Hi, said, Mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hi, Lini. <laughs> um, so I think you said that you heard about the podcast through my athletic trainer when she came yep. to speak at Seton Hall, right? Yep. All right. So I'm, I'm waiting for the day when someone's like, I was wondering if you like Googled, you know, like. Yeah, I did. I was in class listening to your story about, she was talking about the story, your second impact syndrome story. And all of us were like glued to her because it's like why all of us went to school. So we were all listening to her story and immediately in this day and age, as soon as she said, we all Googled, like, I mean, I Googled immediately, like I Googled you and I, I found your, your podcast, but I didn't think about it until I got concussed. Right. But I remember listening to the story and all of us were like, just, you know, all of us out, just jaws were dropped, like listening to the story. Cause I think it was the first time we had even heard about it. Second impact syndrome right. was when she was talking to us and she told the story. You could, see the passion like she seemed like an awesome athletic trainer and like, oh yeah yeah when sure. she speaks it's so powerful like the story just stood out so much to me that once i was concussed i went back and i was like, oh my god that story about kevin and then i found you that way cool yeah um yeah i'm actually working with my my uh public speaking coach mm -hmm. who's sam mushman he was my my previous guest yeah um episode 59 Dang. but what he was, uh, what we've been working on is like my message to athletic trainers. I'm gonna be a keynote speaker at oh, cool. uh, the Athletic Training Society of New Jersey's annual conference. Awesome. Coming up in February, I think. And what we're kind of trying to focus the talk on mm -hmm. is relishing the opportunities that you have to save someone's life, right? Yeah. Like, did you want to go into athletic training because you wanted to save someone's life? Uh, like. To me, that's really scary, probably because I've never been in that situation. I wanted to do athletic training because I wanted to impact athletes and people the way my physical therapist and my, you know, my athletic trainers have. I feel like I took my athletic trainers for granted growing up, like looking back now. Uh, but, you know, I feel like that opportunity to be able to save a life would be so scary, but so powerful. Right. Um, I, I feel like all the athletic trainers that I've talked to, like all the people that have spoken to us as students say that you're, no matter how much experience you have, when you're in that situation, you're always like, oh shit. And then you, you have like the sense of panic for two seconds and you're like, okay, no. And then you like immediately go into like your athletic trainer mode and then everything becomes like, all right, I got to do this. I right. got to do this. this I got to do this. this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a cool thing. Cause I'm sure most athletic trainers didn't go into it thinking like, yeah. you know what? I want to save lives. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But you can, every day that you, you know, go this into work. In high school. Yeah. Yeah. It could happen. So, and I'm obviously thankful that my school had Miss Barba. So exactly. thank you. Um, okay. So what kind of sports did you play growing up? Um, so 
I was born in New York, raised in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka is like, uh, we have cricket and rugby is huge. Girls don't really play cricket that much, but luckily, um, you know, I was able to swim in Sri Lanka and uh, we, I did track, but it was like kind of like a joke. So swimming in Sri Lanka. And then when I moved uh, to the States in, um, when I was 13, I kept swimming and I started uh, playing soccer and stuff, but it was like very like just casual, obviously. Um, but in high school, I, I was a swimmer and I did, I threw the jab and played rugby in, uh, in Connecticut for like a club team in Connect, um, in high school. Okay. And then I went to Fordham. I was supposed to throw jab, but I got so bored of like the track and like the track team was like just so drawn out and my grades weren't the best. So I was like, actually, I'll just play rugby at Fordham. <laughs> So I ended up playing rugby, um, you know, rugby in Sri Lanka versus America is very different. Uh, in Sri Lanka, I was like the biggest girl on the team. And then I came to America and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up being like a um, more of like a running back one. Like not, I didn't play like I wasn't defense. I was offense in Sri okay. Lanka. I played like. Um, you were the enforcer out there. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, never mind. <laughs> That's cool. So did you suffer from any injuries uh, during um, your athletic career? Yeah. Uh, at Fordham, I, right after my concussion the same year, so like at the start of 08, I tore my ACL, MCL, and both the menisci in my left knee all at one time. I uh, had that re uh, had that completely reconstructed using my, at the time, they used my hamstring. I feel like a lot of people use their patella now, but they use my hamstring. They asked me if they, I wanted a cadaver, and I uh, I just remember thinking, like, I asked the doctor, I was like, can I specify, like, the race? And they were like, uh, no. And I was like, I was like, I want a black or white athlete guy. <laughs> and they were like, you can't say that. And I was like, okay, well, fine, just use my own, like, because <laughs> I was like, can I, like, is he a smoker? Like, what was his yeah, lifestyle? you don't know what you're You don't know anything. Yeah. And so I was like, so you just had this, like, cadaver. And, like, what if he smoked? Like, I don't want, like, a tendon that, uh, of a smoker. Yeah. I, like I was like, do you have like an ex athlete? Yeah, I wonder what like what the requirements are. Like, do yeah, they, like not let. I have you no know, idea. Smokers do o organ doning and stuff like I have that. No, like th I have no idea. I've never. Like, I've only thought about into. it when I had to like take a cadaver, and then I was like, forget it. Use my own damn tendon. Yeah. <laughs> um. Knock on wood, my uh, ACL has been fine, but since then I've had two more uh, menisci surgeries. So first one was stitched up when they redid my ACL and MCL, but and then two times I've had it shaved. So at this point, I probably have no meniscus. So what was like the rehab process from the ACL injury, um, and like what kind of emotional toll did that take? You know, being away from rugby. Yeah, I mean, I haven't played rugby since my ACL. Oh, uh, really? Never made it back, or never just made because it. you never wanted to? Well, or? by the time my ACL recovered, it was I had graduated, so it took me a full year because I was. Like as soon as I was back to running, I I messed up my menisci again. So I had I was on crutches for an entire year. Oh, okay. My senior year, which was really good for my grades, but bad for everything else. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all my grades skyrocketed because I couldn't do anything except study. That's interesting, though. Yeah, it was sometimes crazy. when like when athletes have too much time, it's like not. Yeah, good. I don't know because like I think mentally I was still in a way better place than the concussion okay um i was um i had an awesome physical therapist uh yvonne who worked in the city so i would commute from the bronx into new york and she worked at the reebok sports club at the time and she was the at the pt for the women's basketball team and i knew two girls that went through the surgery and they she would they were like she's amazing okay and she is the one who kind of inspired me to go back to school and do physical therapy oh, cool. but i ended up doing and she's like she was amazing she would like she was really tough and I need that. I, I don't like 
physical therapist that are kind of like nonchalant like she was like it's gonna suck Natalie like buck up like we're going and then she was like just wrecked me like when you had to get your like the the <laughs> what is it called the range of motion back right it's like breaking in a new knee you know yeah. and she was like all right Natalie like don't punk out where this is gonna suck and I need that like aggressive like approach like I love it like it sucked it was torture but that's what I like and I need that right someone um, that'll push you yeah exactly um for those who are listening, if you have an ACL injury, there's a ton of other episodes that we where we've interviewed athletes who have gone through that multiple times. So yeah, that's crazy. Um, go go to headsandtails.org and do do a little search and you'll you'll find it. Yeah. Um, okay. So what's something that you're proud of that people don't really know about? Like obviously you won season 29 of Survivor. That's yeah. like a pretty huge thing to be mm-hmm. proud of. What's like something that something about you that no one really knows about that you're that you're proud of? Um, I guess like when, I guess I'm proud that I donated like a lot of money to my mom's nonprofit. Um, what's her nonprofit? My mom, so my mom's a Montessori teacher and she started, um, these nonprofits in Sri Lanka in really rural rundown towns. And it's kind of like built through the town. So she teaches, she gets the moms like in the town certified as Montessori teachers. And then she starts schools that is completely free for the poorest of the poor kids. Um, and a lot of people, like when they win Survivor, they do all these events and they like raise money. And I was like, you know what? I want enough money to be able to just donate. To help. Yeah. yeah and I don't, I didn't do anything big with it. I didn't like, you know, and being able to help my mom and being able to give back because my parents have done so much for me was probably, you know, something I'm the most proud of. Bes- like obviously winning Survivor was pretty, I was pretty proud of that. But doing that was, was it felt good and it was like just an awesome thing to be able to give back to my mom and give back to these, the kids in Sri Lanka because I think growing up in Sri Lanka helped me win Survivor because, um, you know, it was like an island, I guess. <laughs> growing up on an island and right. I was stuck on an island. Island, island. Yeah. You know? So I'm an island girl. I feel like I'm an island girl. So I feel like, you know, giving back to Sri Lanka was um, my way of saying thank you and like to my parents and to my country. What, what's her nonprofit called? It's called Bridge to Peace. Okay, um, I'll link that up in the show cool, notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it teaches, like, so Sri Lanka had a civil war for 25 years and my mom's school is the first school in Sri Lanka to teach a peace curriculum, which integrates um, all our different, we have different quote unquote ethnicities in Sri Lanka and my parents were from the two fighting sides of the civil war. So when they got married, like, it was like a black and a white person getting married pre-civil oh, war. Wow. I mean, civil rights movement. So it was like so taboo, but my parents, they, they fell in love. And they, so my parents understand that, you know, Sri Lanka can only get stronger if we put aside all this like racial bias and like all this bullshit that we all focus on, in, you know, in Sri Lanka for so long. And so she teaches this peace curriculum, which is really cool because it's just changing the mentality of young kids. Can you kind of explain like what the civil war is like all about over there? Um, so when Sri Lanka got gained independence the british left us and we had the british had brought over indentured servants from india to like help with like labor and stuff so when the british left the the tamils who were brought from india were like okay cool so we're sri lankans right and then the sri lanka government was like no actually go back to india and they were like dude we didn't come here on our own accord like we want to be sri lankan citizens but they got treated almost like second class citizens so there was this uh, like there was like this rising in like people and there's this one guy who was like, you know what, forget the government, let's start this terrorist group. And the, he was really, he was crazy though. Like he probably was looking out at the start maybe for like the, the 
for the Tamils, but he was became like this psychopath and like state created this huge terrorist group. Had child soldiers. They had their own navy, their own like air force, and like they had like submarines, like so well funded. I don't even know how they got all this damn money. And so they there was this. 25 year civil war where we would have like terrorists like suicide bombers in the city and like me and Nadia and my family grew up like kind of being stuck in the middle because I was Tamil and I was Sinhalese and so we just kind of were like everybody in school would be like oh what are you Sinhalese or Tamil and I'd be like oh I'm both and people would be like what like you know because they were just so confused yeah they, they didn't like, know what to do yeah they didn't know what to do and like my dad's side of the family like disowned him when he married my mom like towards Romeo and Juliet <laughs> to, to this day like yeah don't. like I know I don't like I don't hang out or talk to any of my dad's side of the family it's crazy yeah that is Romeo and Juliet stuff, yeah and yeah. like my mom is super light and my dad is super dark so in Sri Lanka like the lighter you are the better you are like that's how they associate beauty okay in most colonized countries um I feel like that's how it is like in in, in India like the number one uh product like beauty product is a bleaching cream for girls. Like they bleach what? their skin. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's so messed up. So messed up. So like when. But I mean, it goes into like so the much. whole like white privilege thing. Like just it's from just, being it's just born white, we, you're yeah. like automatically. It's so weird. And like in Sri Lanka, when when we were you know colonized, we would look up to the Brits and be like, oh my god, so beautiful, like so white, and so still their mentality is there. So when I go back, like me and Nadia, my big sis, we're always tanning, and so people they're like oh why are they on the beach with the vitamin d and i'm like no bro i'm trying to get a tan <laughs> for the vitamin d <laughs> they don't get that we want to be darker like they just right. will like hide from the sun it's crazy <laughs> yeah like being pale in the united states like isn't a cool thing yeah like white people want to get tan and like i'm brown well people. aware actually because i'm extremely white but <laughs> <laughs> it's like so crazy i've so. accepted it um but so yeah. I guess you. What was it like growing up in Sri Lanka? Like, what was the, um, like, what did that teach you? Like, along your your journey when you came back over to the United States, like, what did you so you know hold on to? Um, growing up in Sri Lanka was awesome. Like I said, even though it was a civil war, like I just remember. Um, just like were you dodging bullets like on your way no, to school we, like, we would like have bomb days instead of snow days. So like, if there was a suicide bomb in the city schools were closed and kids were pumped yeah kids were pumped we would wake up be like oh yay bomb day we don't have to go to school and like my mom would be like we'd be getting ready for school like oh kids like no school today there's a suicide bomb in the city and like i remember once when we stayed home there was a huge a suicide bomber bombed uh our world trade center in sri lanka and it was this huge it was like a massive thing but i just remember being so young and so naive and being like yay no school for another like week or two like being so like numb to everything that was going on because we just grew up that way. Right. Um, but besides that, like, I just remember cricket being huge, like sports in Sri Lanka, like, like Sri Lanka is religion and cricket. That's all we care about. So, um, so would you consider yourself religious? Um, I was raised Roman Catholic. My parents are pretty strict Catholics, like church every Sunday, even on like the middle of the week, like my mom would go to church. Anything happens. My mom prays for me with this concussion. She always tells me, I'm going to church. <laughs> she doesn't sound like that. I just like doing it. You like making fun of her? Yeah. She like, and I, I, I love that she prays for me, but like, I'm always torn because I'm like, listen, Jesus is not going to heal my concussion. Like I have to do things, mom. But I also feel like it's weird because my mom like prayed for me on Survivor and she would go and pray. She's like, see? Yeah, exactly. So she's like, you owe me some checks now. Um, so I have faith. I wouldn't say I was religious. I do have faith and I do pray. Um, I pray before flights. I always do sign of the cross, which 
I sometimes I do it and I I'm like, flying too, yeah. um, it's just not even, I hate, I'm just so used to it because I grew up doing it with my parents, okay. but I do pray sometimes. I prayed when I was on survivor to my grandparents on my mom's side. Cause I, oh, they, those are the only grandparents I knew. Um, and I, through my concussion, I didn't, I don't think I f- fell back on religion, but my parents, my mom would always remind me that she's praying for me. Okay. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap up the interview, like mm-hmm. what else do you do for, for fun besides um, reality TV and CrossFit? Besides working out? Uh, I like cooking. I um, like concerts. Uh, people don't know, but I love country music. and it's, Oh, cool. Yeah. Me too. Really? Who's so your favorite country artist? Uh, right now, I would say I like Old Dominion. Oh, yeah. They are cool. Yeah. They're really like... And I started they're listening. They're like poppy. But yeah, they are. That's why I feel like I'm more like mainstream because I just listen yeah. to what's on Spotify because I don't know like how to find country music. Yeah. So like whatever's on my playlist and then I'll just add it to like a jam list and then I'll just have it. Um, See, I'm from Long Valley, New Jersey where there's it's farms south. and yeah, exactly. cows. So like I like the real like <laughs> You're like in the twangy country. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I like some kind con- like twangy stuff. But like I said, Jason I Jason Aldean, he's my guy. I like him too, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, people – you know, would never think that. And I always get yelled at at the gym when I play country music because everyone's like, Natalie, turn the country off. And I was like, it's good, guys. Country Sundays we have at... Uh, <laughs> oh, you do? At our gym. Our, my friend Tom, he like runs okay, country cool. Sundays. I'm going to come, come his classes, so yeah. I can feel like, you know, accepted <laughs> for once. Um, and I like cooking and I like eating. <laughs> hey, who doesn't? Um, but yeah, I have, I'm, I'm pretty like normal. What's your favorite meal? Um, God, anything with bacon and sweet potatoes. Um, if I had to make anything, um, I don't know. I'm very simple though. I eat the same things over and over again. All right. Have you like changed your diet like since your concussion? Um, when I was first concussed, I ate strictly, um, pay, uh, what's the word? Um, ketogenic. Okay. So it's super high fat. Net carbs a day was 20, which is like super low, obviously. But I wasn't working out, so I didn't miss that explosiveness that I see when I have carbs. Right, right, right. So I wasn't doing any – I was like swimming like really grandma laps-like style. So I ate ketogenic, and I saw a difference in my brain. I saw – immediately I felt a difference because you're eliminating any kind of refined sugar, carbs, and so there's no inflammation, and your brain is like – I don't know, like a huge percentage fat and water. Right. So providing those good, healthy fats for your brain made a difference for me. Uh, but now I'm like eating uh, like carbs and stuff again because you're I'm, feeling better. Yeah, and I'm like working out, so I'm trying to make some gains. There you go. <laughs> all right, well that's, that's something for someone for people to try too. Yeah. Um. All right. So last, you know, question: What advice do you have for athletes who are suffering from PCS? Just like a closing remark. Um. I would say my number one rule of thumb is to be okay with accepting that it that you're hurt and not being ashamed to you know say that you need time off um i think i told you that when i was like making the decision to take off work i was talking to this one kid who'd been in the military he was in the at seton hall with me and he was one of the guys that i immediately bonded with because he's been through a lot and he's like you know he is like a similar personality to me like he's like crazy but he's like tough so um i was talking to him and i was like pete i don't know what to do like i i I want to, it's only two more months until December. You think I can just like, you know, keep going and like get mediocre grades and keep, like keep pushing myself. I'm so unhappy. I'm so like sad all the time. Like, I don't know what to do. And he, all he said to me, like he's a man of few words, but all he texted me back. And like my mom was like trying to convince me for so long to like take this time off my like sister, my dad, like everybody was giving me these long spiels about how my brain was important and like 
I mean, apparently important. It sounds like you have a good support system in yeah. place. Yeah. Oh, but I, I wasn't listening to any of them. And then, like, all Pete texts me was, like, a champion knows when to rest. And I'm not saying I'm a champion or anything, but it's just, like, was it just was so to the point and just being like, Natalie, the, the champ in you wants to keep going, but you have to know that you, like, resting is important if you want to be as strong as you want to be when you That's going to be the title in. of this episode. A champion knows when to rest. Yep. Yeah, it was so, and I just, I just started crying when he texted me, and I was like, Pete, you don't understand, like, how much that kind of soothed my soul and ma- made me feel like it's okay to admit that you're hurting and right. that you need to take a break and you need to just recover sometimes, you know, cool. and you don't yeah. have to be always this strong and like, you know, invincible person. Like, you know, I had to admit that I was hurting and I needed a break and I think that would, right. that's the biggest piece of advice I can give athletes is to admit that you're hurting and seek out help. I think that's perfect and I want to thank you for taking the time to do the interview and, and share your story and I also think that you know your concussion wasn't for nothing right? Yeah. Like, think about it when you go back to be an athletic trainer Yeah. think about how you're going to be able to relate to that kid who has that invisible injury that you know other people might be doubting him as coaches, his teammates, his parents his teachers you know yeah so you can be able to re- relate to them give them advice and i think it, it's going to make you an even better athletic trainer yeah i think after four months of dealing with it and coming out you it's, it's nice to see that i can see the positive side of this and use it as a learning experience and you know look look forward like you say like in my career as an athletic trainer being able to relate and be able to see in the uh, concussion victim and being able to like help her or him yeah because i've been through this so Thank you positive, very much. positive, yeah. uh, you know, lining. Yeah, for sure. Always. Uh, thank you very much, Natalie. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Kevin.